and just seared my hand. Excellent. Oh. Good thing you don't need that. Oh, man. Not for potting. Not for potting? Not for podulating. Oh, potting with a D. Right. It's like, that's a weird way to say smoking weed, but, you know, I'm into it. Or but, potting plants. Yeah, that's where some some's minds may have gone. <laughs> that's where mine went. <laughs> Are you a potter? <laughs> well, now you're just talking about a book. Potter. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Trey, three weeks running. Call it in the air, man. Texas or blimp? All right. Let's go Texas this time. It's blimp. <laughs> That's Ooh. three weeks in a row. It's been blimp. All right. Well, Tarek, do you want the ball? Yeah, I will take the ball. Thank you. All right. My question is this. The New Jersey Jets have a seemingly unquenchable thirst for a wide receiver right now. Tyreek Hill said no thanks. Seahawks allegedly turned down the uh, an offer for the 10th overall pick from the Jets in exchange for DK Metcalf. You'd have to think that if they don't land a trade, they're just going to draft a wide receiver at 10 anyway. So it makes me wonder about the wide receivers that are actually on the Jets roster. Tarek, you buying or selling Corey Davis? If so, what the what is the price? Well, I don't have Corey Davis anywhere. Um, I would be selling, if anything, right now. I mean, I don't necessarily care about him either way. Obviously, if they drafted a receiver like Garrett Wilson or Drake London at 10th overall, I think that renders Corey Davis relatively valueless, uh, at least in the marketplace. Um, but I think if you have Corey Davis, um, you're kind of in a holding pattern right now. So I would just hold him if you, if you're rostering Corey Davis. Um, but yeah, because honestly, you probably should have sold Corey Davis middle of the 2021 season, but that time has come and gone. Um, so at this point you got to hold hope that, uh, he has some pop games with Zach Wilson, like he did early last year, and then you can sell. I like it. So Trey, before before you go, I, I kind of want to ask you a different variety of this question. How how are you feeling about Elijah Moore uh, with all this news? Okay, so other side of the coin here, uh, Elijah Moore. I am not worried about him at all. I think he's a super talented young player. Uh, I think he proved enough uh, in his rookie year for us to be definitely buying the hype. So um, I know we talked about him already in the uh, rookie review a few weeks ago, but uh, yeah, if this just makes him more affordable than he already was, then it's just a, an even stronger buy opportunity for Elijah Moore. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not scared at all. I'd, I'd say bye, bye, bye on uh, on more there. Yeah, if he experiences that uh, T Higgins dip from last year mm -hmm. after they drafted Jamar Chase, uh, go ahead and buy Elijah Moore. Mm -hmm. I love it. Tarek, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to ask this coin toss, though, was because of how much you love Corey Davis. What <laughs> would you actually... So you were talking about where you viewed him. Uh, I mm -hmm. think you mentioned that you wouldn't even trade a, what, third round pick for him in Dynasty? Yeah, so just a little bit of context. Uh, we were talking about Corey Davis earlier today in our podcast Slack channel, and... Uh, yeah, uh, I would probably trade away a late third for Corey Davis. I went ahead and threw together about 30 to 33 rookies that at this point I would uh, prefer to roster over Corey Davis. So that to me computes to like a mid to late third. Obviously, things might change. You know, last year, uh, the after the draft, those those that third round of 2021 looked a lot less attractive than it did before the draft. So we could see that happen again in 2022 and maybe I'll be more, okay, I'll trade away an early third. Um, but I think, yeah, there's just a lot of running backs in that area of the draft that I'd rather have than Corey Davis. Keep trade cut has him valued at the 12th pick in the second round. So a little higher than you but I don't know. That seems a little high, which is crazy because at last year, at some point last year, we were talking about potentially uh, his value being around that of a first round pick. So you were. 
Yes. Yeah, no, I rem- I specifically remember this conversation we had because I had recently listened to the Dynasty Nerds podcast and they were the ones saying like, hey, trade a late first mm-hmm. away for Corey Davis. Oh, my God. And uh, I'm I'm pretty sure all of us, including you, Mitch, were like, no, don't do that. No. But we were, we were advocating potentially a second, which, uh, you know, in hindsight, probably wouldn't have been great. But uh, yeah, at this point, uh, he's worth a third. Well. T, I hope for my sake that you're right, because I swear I think I said do it. But hey, you could say, <laughs> I guess we have a year's worth of content now, huh? All right, man. This is like going on, what, minute three of uh, wide receiver 67 here on Keep Trade Cut? So oh, I thought he was exactly, 69, dude. This is exactly what it. the listeners are tuning in for. Look, I'll just say, like, on Keep Trade Cut, if he's valued at 212, go ahead and look at who number 24 would be on your rookie rank, and I promise you, you would rather have that player than Corey Davis. For sure. What the absolute fuck is going on everybody welcome into the long game dynasty podcast a weekly roundtable discussion about dynasty fantasy football i'm your host Tarek angry t Benchuia, and with me on this episode 50 of tlg trey crying and mitch yates trey how you feeling man at this half century mark wow 50 pods in. have we have we even cleared 50 uh, weekly listeners yet we we have crested consistently 50 weekly listeners yes we did it okay all right all right if you know we probably want to average better than one new uh listener per episode going forward Uh but uh you know we're we're getting our legs under us here so uh yeah 50 pods in i think we just hit the year mark too yeah yeah i'm pretty sure we've done 50 pods in 52 weeks so uh, pretty consistent, and yeah, I mean, I didn't even really think about it, but happy one-year anniversary, Mitch Yates. Congrats, guys. Uh, if only John was here to celebrate it with us. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's supervising uh, standardized state testing in Texas right now, so crazy week for those teachers down there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, John couldn't uh, join us this week, but uh, we'll, we'll get him in for next week for uh, for part two. Oh, I'm I'm not even really here this week, guys. Don't worry. I'm still in vacay mode. I just got back in from State College, Pennsylvania. Yeah, what? Yesterday, and I'm still kind of delirious. So, if I say anything stupid, uh, just just uh, go ahead and pretend I didn't. All right. Well, we're gonna talk about some rookie receivers today. One of them actually from State College, Pennsylvania, uh, at least where he played college. But before we talk about these eight rookie receivers that we're going to get to today. We had some receiver news in the NFL that dropped today, and that was the Buffalo Bills reaching a four-year, $104 million contract extension with Stephon Diggs. Um, Obviously, you know, one of the best receivers in the league, 28-year-old guy, um, attached to Josh Allen for the next six years contractually. Obviously, I'm sure there's some kind of out in there before then. But uh, Trey, what do you think about this Diggs contract? Does it move the needle for you at all in Dynasty? Yeah, I think it should make you feel a little bit better about Diggs, you know, because he is getting up there in age. So the fact that he's got a four-year deal that he's attached to definitely gives you a, a little bit higher floor, maybe a little bit higher job security there. Uh, I mean, God, that's what is that averaging 26 million a year? That's mm-hmm. freaking crazy what these wide receiver prices have gotten up to. I think Buffalo, to me, it just kind of looks like Buffalo wanted to get in there before the prices started getting even higher. Next I think year. that's so, smart. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's smart because he is, you know, one of the, if not the main engine of that offense. And, uh, you know, when he's getting his plays and getting his work in, then, and, you know, things are clicking for digs, then things are clicking for Buffalo. So, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. I think it makes sense to me, too. I don't really think it changes anything. I don't think it moves any needles of any sort. Uh, he still had two years on his contract. I, I think that, sure. like, it's nice to know that he'll probably be there in three years. Mm-hmm. But with the way the, the wide receiver free-for-all has been going with the trades left and right, who's to really say where he's going to be in three years? So 
uh, contract suggests he'll be in Buffalo, and I'm into that because he looks great with Josh Allen. So it, it it's fine, but like I don't think that it's gonna. I don't think your inbox, if you have Stefan Diggs, is going to just start receiving deals for him because of this news. You know, you know, Diggs was probably a sneaky buy last week before this news. This might have removed the sneakiness, but he might still be a value. So I would. I don't know. I need to have another look at the ranks and kind of check where I've landed on him because it it seems a little bit foolish to have him outside the top 10 right now. Yeah, I think he he's got, you know, reasonably as good a chance as any other receiver to be the wide receiver one overall next year attached to Josh Allen and a high powered offense. We know his talent, right? Uh, You had Devontae Adams moving to you know, a high volume situation, but not with Aaron Rodgers. You had Tyreek Hill moving over to Miami. So I think the way has kind of cleared a little bit, at least for 2021, for for Diggs to be potentially a little bit undervalued, as Trey said. And, you know, Mitch, uh, you had mentioned this in the coin toss, uh, but one of the that that Seahawks turning down the 10th overall pick for DK Metcalf from the Jets, I kind of related this to the Diggs contract because I expect that DK Metcalf really wants to get paid market value for an elite receiver. So that's going to be 26, 27, 28 million dollars a year. And I'm not sure I see Seattle doing that. But at the same time, they allegedly, according to Howard Eskin, take it or leave it, turn down that 10th overall pick. So what do you think this signals for DK and uh, for the Seahawks? I don't really think there's any pressure on the Seahawks currently to move him. So uh, although that's like a good deal and would make sense, like it's just too early to to pull the trigger on that. I think from their perspective, they'd rather have him on their squad uh, just showing off what he can do. I, I think he'll be the centerpiece of that offense because what else is going on there? So um, it, the burden isn't on them to make the trade. I think they can just keep him keep them and uh, watch that interest increase as the season moves on a little bit further. So, so hang on, Mitch, you're saying that it doesn't make sense for them to give him $26 million a year right now, because I think if you can lock up DK Metcalf for four years at 26 million, that's a slam dunk for Seattle. Well, if they don't want to do it, they don't have to, is what I'm saying. They can keep this party going on the rookie contract that they have him. And when it's time to pony up, they could just slap a franchise tag on him then and that year trade him. If that's really their intention with this whole thing, like maybe they're not certain that they want him for the next eight years and they know they're going to have to pony up for that. So instead, they just keep him on a rookie contract on the cheap and flip him when they have to, which isn't right now. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I could see also see DK Metcalf like getting, um, you know, a little bit fed up with the Drew Locke offense, especially through the first uh, couple weeks of the season. So if he's not getting paid and not, you know, feeling the respect that he deserves in, you know, what's probably going to be a bad situation this year, then I maybe he ends up turfing his own uh, trade value. But we've seen other guys do that, too. Yeah, I mean, Metcalf is saying all the right things on Twitter right now. Like, he's gassing up Drew Locke. He's saying he wants to become a leader in Seattle, right? So, uh, it seems like he wants to stay there and be there. But, you know, we'll just have to see how it unfolds. I am personally surprised that the Seahawks wouldn't take 10th overall for DK. I think, I allegedly, (laughs) I think that's probably the max compensation anybody would offer for DK Metcalf now or into the future, but we'll see how it plays out. This is all speculation. So let's get into what we're going to talk about today. So we have over the last few weeks reviewed the 2022 QBs, running backs and tight ends. And now we get into what is arguably the biggest strength of the class. And that is the wide receiver position. So we will devote the entirety of today and next week's episodes to deep diving 15 or 16 receiver prospects ahead of the NFL draft later this month. So a quick overview of the eight guys we're going to talk about today. Traylon Burks, Drake London, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, Sky Moore, Calvin Austin, Alec Pierce and Justin Ross. So without further ado, 
let's kick off this first half. And before we get into Traylon Burks, I want to throw it to Mitch, like we've done for all the other positions. Can you just give us your overall impressions of the 2022 receiver class? Sure can. And this is a pretty fun class to examine, too. Wide receivers are the bread and the butter for Dynasty, so I always spend a little bit more time on these guys than the rest of the position groups. And even though we don't have like an all-world prospect like J. Jeff or Jamar Chase, we do have potentially four or five guys that could go in the first round. And then a wave of question marks, a bunch of teeny-weeny tiny dudes uh, that project to go in the middle rounds, and a, a whole lot of disagreement where everybody goes. So... To me, it's Drake London and Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, and everybody else, but it's still early in this exercise. So like Tarek mentioned, there are 15, 16 guys that are worth discussing. We're going to dig in and do the heavy listening for the listeners. So let's do it, guys. So this first guy we're going to talk about, Traylon Burks, uh, we've talked about him on the podcast multiple times over the last year. 6'2", 225-pound receiver from Arkansas with a really good production profile and plus athleticism, you know, despite what you might hear out of the combine. So in 2021, his true junior year, he finished with 66 receptions for 1,104 yards and 11 touchdowns. And that Traylon Burks hype really crested in the early offseason. And it's kind of died down a little bit since he ran a bit slower and jumped a bit lower than many expected at the combine. But given that 6'2", 225-pound frame, his speed score is still in the 87th percentile even after running a 4.55. So, Trey, you flagged Burks in the 2021 preseason as your 2022 wide receiver one has that remained the same here as we get into the month of april absolutely dude i am definitely still team Traylon uh for number one wide receiver in this class uh starting with the elite name we talked about this with trey mcbride Traylon burks <laughs> brings that to the table as well so we gotta you know gotta recognize that for sure uh but top guy in the class it, and honestly it was really close between him and drake london as i was going through and, and prepping for today but I'm going to give Burks the edge for a couple reasons. Uh, one, you mentioned the the college production in the SEC. Uh, you know, Drake London did not face the same level of competition in the Pac-12. I know some people may disagree with that, but it's true. Uh, and in SEC, Burks was able to put a, up a 45.9% college dominator, which is good for 92nd percentile uh, for college receivers, which is incredible. Uh, that went along with a 387 yards per team pass attempt uh, for his junior 2021 season. That is the best in this class overall, which is incredible. And he did that in the SEC against the top level of competition. Mm -hmm. So he's got mad ball skills. Once he gets the ball in the hand in his hands, he averaged 16.8 yards per catch, which is nuts. <laughs> and he's got the alpha size, which you mentioned, and the speed score is that 87th percentile. So yeah, he is fast enough to be playing on Sunday with the big boys. Load me up, man. I <laughs> would be happy to take him as high as, I don't know, maybe the second pick overall in this draft. Yeah. In a super flex league. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not mad at that, you know, He's still just as big as we thought he was, and he's still very fast. And, you know, speaking to the speed, uh, he was still, you know, with GPS tracking, hitting like 20, 21 miles per hour on the field, right? So right. field speed, the guy is fast. Four, five, five is still blazing for a guy that size. Mitch, what do you think? Yeah, exactly right, guys. Exactly. So when you watch him on tape, I don't I don't care about these low combine scores and nor should you. He he burnt every team that tried to cover him. So and he looks kind of slow sometimes, too, until he doesn't like he, he kind of like when he's running across the field, he doesn't look like he's as quick. But when he's running straight down the field, uh, it's it's really tough to cover this guy. He looks like a star. He, he looks like a star in the making. Now, he's my number two wide receiver in this class. And He's my number two for three reasons here. Reason one, I'm number one. Reason two, <laughs> reason two he's number two because he's the shit. Get it? No. Oh, these are awful. Uh, reason three. Pretty bad. He's number two because I like Drake London more. That's it. Uh, but I think it's so close. I, the alpha potential, 
It's a slam dunk. He gets drafted in the first round early. Uh, he uses his size well. He uses his hands well. And it, it's like, yeah, sure, he's not Jay Jeff. He's not Jamar Chase. But it's uh, he's the star of this class. So I would like some shares, too. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm getting them right at number two, but it's it's definitely, I'm definitely thinking about it, two or three in a super flex league. Now, you said you like London more, and I know we're going to talk about him too today, but is there something in Burke's profile that is, you know, potentially like a red flag that's making you prefer the other guy? Not really. And so that's what I mean. Like, he's, he's excellent. I just like London's fluidity more on the field, but I think like, I think it's really, really close. So yeah. it's not that uh, I I don't like him based on a red flag. It's just that I really like London. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about it. And for me, it, it just goes back to that level of competition playing in the mm-hmm. SEC versus the Pac-12. Yeah, Mitch, you mentioned that he's going to get drafted in the first round. Um, I think early in the offseason, he was often projected to be kind of that top 15 pick. Uh, according to like grinding the mocks and NFL mock draft database, he's dipped a little bit kind of into that 18 to 25 realm. And I see him get mocked to two NFC East teams a lot, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. And I would, for dynasty purposes, love both of those landing spots for him, right? If he was kind of that big slot guy, uh, along with either Devontae Smith or C.D. Lamb, uh, I, I would be all in on Traylon Burks in those landing spots. So yeah. just to kind of give a little bit of preview of what the mocks are saying right now, I think uh, around that 18 to 24 range uh, is is reasonably likely. And, uh, and I like the teams that he would land on there, you know? Yeah. And the, with any of these mock drafts, man, we know the range on that is really wide, right? So like, let's not be too surprised if it's plus or minus like, you know, 10, 20 picks in either direction. Right. So if we see him going 10 overall, uh, to the jets, right? Like he fills a similar role to a guy like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, like some player, uh, comparisons that he gets a lot. Right. Uh, so if there's, you know, any uh you know fire where there's smoke you know to these rumors about the jets trying to get dk metcalf then uh you know maybe it's not crazy to think about them going burks as high as uh, pick number 10 right and burks is seen as kind of a slot weapon at this point right now but i think he can be used in a lot of ways and remember when aj brown was coming out he was largely seen as a big slot right so if he goes to a situation in which there's already a slot receiver or something like that, that's not reason to shy off of him. I think Burks is a good, highly productive player that a team is going to be able to figure out how to use him on the inside or the outside. Yeah, the only alarming thing that could happen in the draft of this is if he fell out of the first round. And honestly, that's not really I don't think that's on the table at all. Yeah, so. what are the odds? Uh, yeah, I don't think that can't be happen. good. So like you mentioned, you, you mentioned Mitch four or five receivers in the first round. I'm taking the over. I think there's going to be six. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I mean, if he goes 10th overall or 25th overall, uh, it doesn't really it would it would surprise me if he went 25th, but it wouldn't really affect my wide receiver rankings. OK, let's move on to the next guy. Another blue chip prospect here. That is Drake London out of USC 64. 219 pounds, shared the field with productive NFL receivers in college like Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown, but still produced at a respectable level in his freshman and sophomore year relative to those trend lines that you see on campusdecanton.com. Then as a junior, in eight games, he posts a ridiculous 1,084 yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, over 100 yards and almost a touchdown per game, was on his way to a truly special season before uh, that injury. And London's most common comp, I think, out there in the world has been Mike Evans because of the frame. But, you know, I see a lot of people pushing against that, arguing that London is a better receiver after the catch than Evans ever was. So there's reason to be even more bullish on London in relationship to that Evans comp. Mitch, Lots of kind of dynasty lumineers seem to have London at the top of their receiver board. I'm thinking of uh, DF Bean Counter here, among others, Ray GQ. And most draft analysts have him drafted significantly higher than Burks, at least at this moment. But what do you think about 
Drizzy Drake. I think this is my guy. This is Drizzy's a star. He's a stud. He's a certified fucking lover boy. He, <laughs> he looks like a technician, right? He's big. He can go from breaking a tackle and standing still to like five yards up the field in a blink of an eye. And he high points the ball, catches with his hands. He's extremely impressive at finding himself open in the zone. And yes, Trey, I, I do think a little bit has to do with playing for USC instead of being in the SEC. But uh, he kind of looks like Cooper Cup did this year compared to the other players on the field. So as in sometimes you were wondering why this guy was so goddamn open all the time and just being fed like he's just good at finding those soft spots in the zone. And once he gets the ball, look out like like you mentioned with Mike Evans, it's kind of funny that DLF has uh, Drake London ranked one spot below Mike Evans in their dynasty rankings. I would have Drake London higher than that personally. But uh, one knock on him, he he's great catching the ball and getting one foot in bounds. I want to see that second foot, Mr. London. I, I'm going to need you to start doing that. It's time to go to the pros. But I'm all about this guy. I He's my... I don't want to say clear number one, but I think that I'm willing to say that he's one and Burks is two instead of this 1A, 1B shit we like to do on this podcast. So uh, that's where I am currently. What about you guys? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think London's a great prospect and I don't really have you know any issues with what you said there. Uh, you know, if Burks wasn't in this class, then, you know, London would be my number one for sure. So uh I was kind of going into this evaluation period thinking that it would be really close for me between Drake London and Garrett Wilson, you know, and that mm -hmm. uh, maybe Garrett Wilson would be my two. But if you look at, you know, what London was able to do this last year, his yards per team pass attempt uh, as a junior hit 3.26. That was better than Wilson's best season his sophomore year when he hit 3.21 and, and he took a dip in his, um, you know, 2021 junior year. So, you know, London doesn't have that blemish on his profile that Garrett Wilson does. Uh, but you compare him to Burks, you know, like the numbers across the board, the market share yards dominator is about 10 percentage points lower for Drake London. It's about 30% versus 40% compared to Burks. And, you know, he doesn't hit that elite three, eight, seven yards per team pass attempt. Like I said, he's closer to three, two, six. So He's a great prospect, uh, but, you know, because he doesn't hit like the same elite, you know, numbers, metrics that Burks does because he played in the um, Pac-12 versus the SEC, I'm going to give the edge to Burks in this class. Right. And, you know, I personally right now, I have Burks, London and Garrett Wilson, who we will talk about next week in an interchangeable tier together. And I'm basically just waiting until we see draft capital and landing spot. But if you if you put a gun to my head and ask me to choose one right now to be my wide receiver one, I think I'm going to go with Drake London just because hey. I personally think he's the most complete receiver in the draft from a size, speed, yak ability, kind of route running perspective to where he's not, you know, he's not a super elite technician with route running. But like Mitch D said, he he gets the job done and he pairs it with elite ball skills, elite physicality and really, really good yards after the catch. He's going to get that top 15 draft capital. And, you know, his numbers from college are, are still really good. So I think when it's this close, I I'm just going to take who I think looks like the more complete receiver that translates to the NFL a little bit more. That's not me saying that I don't think Traylon Burks is that. It's just I, I see it with Drake London a little bit more. And just to touch on that technician part, I actually really do like his route running. I think that he can increase his route tree for sure, but it's the little things he does that gets him so open that I found impressive. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's part of his game that is actually a, a positive. All right. Well, I'm man on island over here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure John uh, likes uh, Garrett Wilson the best out of all of them. So we'll have him chime in on that next week. All right, uh, let's move on to the next guy we're going to talk about here. And that's George Pickens, six foot three, 195 pound receiver from the national champion Georgia Bulldogs. Came in and broke out as a true freshman uh, with a really impressive 727 yards and eight touchdowns 
27% dominator rating in that freshman year, which is really elite for your first year out of high school. Continued to play well in 2020 in a COVID-shortened season, um, but then he tore his ACL in spring 2021, which pretty much erased any production hopes for his junior year. Uh, ran a 4.47 at the combine, so pretty fast. Seen as a spectacular catch specialist and has some alpha traits to him, but we'll get into that more. Trey, what do you think about George Pickens? So right now, if you look at the the draft capital projections here, he is somebody that could slip into the bottom of the first round. He's he's projected to go in the first 10 picks of the second round, uh, along with a couple other guys we're about to get to. But, you know, I really wanted to rank Pickens in my top five, but I, I just couldn't do it. He, he comes in as, as wide receiver six for me in this class. Um, I, I mean, I absolutely love the alpha size that he's bringing to the table and that 71st percentile speed score. I mean, that tells me he's definitely uh, got the upside there in the frame. Uh, you mentioned the incomplete uh, production profile because of the ACL tear in uh, 2021. Uh, that's definitely concerning to me. Uh, I mean, he absolutely rocked as a freshman, but we never really got to see him put it on the field and improve every single year. Uh, as we did for guys like Olave and Williams, um, who we didn't talk about today. But look, I mean, there's definitely really nice upside here with Pickens. Uh, so I think he's going to be worth that late first round, early second round rookie draft pick, which he'll probably end up at for me. Um, but, you know, he never cleared that 2.11 yards per team pass attempt. So I'm, you know, not going to like put him over some of the other guys that we've got in this class. Yeah, and I'm going to do it but not because of the reasons you mentioned. Like, you're absolutely right. The the lack of tape is concerning, but just where he left me on those cliffhangers, like, I, I texted you guys in the in the Slack, in the work Slack earlier, like, okay, where where's the rest of this guy's tape? Because his tape is just so electric. And, you know, as a noted non-college football watcher, it, it was sad to find out that there wasn't more tape to watch. But... What he showed in these limited sample sizes, like, it's it's freaking incredible. Like, he he looks to have that like star factor in him. He, I, I don't know. It's a hunch, right? Because what else can you go off of without uh, the rest of the information here? Right now on DLF, he's going right sandwich between James Connor and Miles Sanders. I like that. I think that's perfect. I I think I'd take him there. He's one wide receiver behind Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson, uh, and he's behind guys like uh, or ahead of guys like Brandon Cooks and Kadarius Tony. So huh. okay, I think I like Pickens better than all those guys. Yeah. So uh, that range there is a little too low. I agree. And uh, yeah, like I said, I mean, I I don't know what else to. I, I can't really cite any other things for a player with such an incomplete profile. But yeah. Tart, go ahead. Well, I have a I have a question for you because you said he seems to have like star traits. What mm. does that mean to you? What is a, a receiver with star traits? What does that look like on tape? So I guess the way I'll answer that, I'll compare it kind of to the way Jamar Chase handles his business in the NFL. When he gets the ball, you can tell that like this is what you've you've game planned for, right? This is the guy that could make anything happen at any moment. And so he just looked like the player that could take at the distance at any time, or he could make these impossible catches. He just, he has that it factor that's hard to define. And like I said, it's a limited sample size, but he's a dude that I feel like could be a number one wide receiver on an NFL team. And that's what I mean by star. Yeah. Basically what you're saying is he passes the vibe check. Yes. Yeah. Elite. He's elite got star chill vibes. vibes. Right. Yeah, he's I mean, he's a tough evaluation because like we've said, really good freshman year. And then in the sophomore year, like he plays well, but he deals with really bad quarterback play. But I don't think that's a great excuse for an 18 percent target share there in his sophomore year. Right. But I do agree with Mitch, like he's got that dog mentality. And I think grinding to get back for Georgia's championship run says something about that and his work ethic. Although there are some questions uh, from guys like Lance Zerline about his effort kind of down to down, but early production is doing kind of admittedly a lot of legwork for me here. Right. And I am worried that I fall victim to potential here 
with not a lot of production to back it up, kind of like I did with Terrace Marshall last year, right? I just think the tools are there, right? And I like what I have seen as well. So he is currently my wide receiver five, especially if he gets that late first, early second draft capital. But I can definitely see some guys that we're going to talk about later today and next week jumping him um, if if a few things happen on draft day. Yeah, this dude could be like the second wide receiver off the board for all we know. And that's just going to flip everything on the upside down. So these guys are doing deep dives into players like this. So can't wait till draft day. Yeah, and, and I'll just say it again. I mean, I'm not debating his up, upside. I'm not debating that he passes that vibe check for sure because he is just dripping with upside. But if you look at guys like Williams and Olave, you know, I slotted them at four and five ahead mm-hmm. of Pickens just because I'm more confident that they're going to hit than Pickens is. Okay, let's move on to our next guy on today's slate, and that is Jahan Dotson, the Penn State Titty Lion, four-year player in State College, really broke out as a 21-year-old junior with 884 yards and eight touchdowns, and that was in nine games for the COVID-shortened season, but had another really good year in 2021, 30% target share, 2.43 yards per team pass attempt, which is solid. Dotson has a slider frame at 5'11", 178 pounds. So his 4.43 at the combine looks a little less impressive when you contextualize it with a 36th percentile speed score. Mitch, uh, you were just in State College, so that's something, right? But uh, what do you see from Dotson on film? Yeah, I was just in State College at the Pagula Ice Rink learning how to curl. And uh, (laughs) yeah, made a cool gif. I'll use it again on Twitter. Did did uh, you see Jahan Dotson at the curling rink? Basically, yeah. I consider myself a friend of Jahan Dotson at this point. And, (laughs) you know, and because we're such good friends, I don't mind keeping it real. So uh, shitty, shitty curler. Great (laughs) wide receiver prospect. I don't know about all that wide receiver (laughs) prospect business. I mean, look, he's 178 pounds and looks like it. So uh, one thing about watching him on tape is when he's out there, it constantly looks like he's overachieving. And I, what I mean by that is he makes easier things look really difficult and difficult things look fucking impossible. But yeah, I don't I'm not very high on this guy because I don't think that he's going to be very fantasy relevant. Like he's a, a smart player, good hands, good skills, but he doesn't have elite size or speed to rely on. And I think he's just going to be just a guy wherever he goes. So I, you won't see me with many shares of him. Uh, where do you, where this, do you have him in your uh, ranks right now for the rookie class? Right now, I have him right under uh, Moore and kind of in that tier with Pierce, who we'll talk about later. So you've got so like wide receiver eight in this class. Yeah, he's ish. he's pretty low, and so. Uh, I know this is really anecdotal, but this is uh, something I'm actually impressed with. It's like his signature move. Um, <laughs> y'all might laugh, but I love this about him. When he's about to get tackled, he tends to, instead of like doing a spin move or step into the side or running away, he just dives at the defender's shins. And I, I think this kamikaze <laughs> shit is going to ironically keep him healthy because he's never taken like massive hits. That's so. fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Mitch, earlier when you said that he seems to make easy things look difficult and difficult things look impossible, I thought that was such a good way to describe his film because when I was watching his tape yesterday and earlier today, it's like, he is a master of those like stutter steps on his release. And then the spectacular catches like that one handed catch, I believe it was against Ohio State. It's like some of the best catches, singular catches of this class. So I think he's got good hands and ball skills for his size. And I think he can create separation. And right now he's projected for late first, early second round pick. Yeah. You know, I recently saw a mock with him going to the Packers, which would be pretty exciting. But, you know, you mentioned 178 pounds. I am worried about his ability to handle physical NFL coverage because, you know, not everybody that is 5'10", 178 can be Deontay Johnson. In fact, most of them do not become Deontay Johnson, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think if you compare to last year's class, he's kind of like a poor man's Elijah Moore, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's that player comp to uh, Tyler Lockett, right? So it's that sort of like, 
I don't want to say dynamic beta because I know that's like a taken <laughs> term uh, out there somewhere in the Twitterverse, but I, I guess that's kind of what he feels. Um, he, looking at the analytic profile, he is a fourth year senior, right? So he's not an early declare. So that's a ding on his profile. Uh, but, you know, so is Olave, who, you know, is coming out of the same conference. But, you know, where Olave uh, really excels over Dotson, and the reason I have him ranked three or four spots higher is the 3.7 yards per team pass attempt that Alave put up his junior year. Dotson never cleared 2.89. So it's it's respectable, um, but it's not that same like elite level of production that would have bumped him up into that top tier or to even make him comparable to Elijah Moore, you know, from last year's class. So uh, he does have a strong dominator. I agree the upside's a concern at his size. I'm right there with you, Mitch. I've got him as my wide receiver eight in this class. I don't think he's a bad mm-hmm. prospect, but there's just guys I like better. Yeah, I think if he gets that late first, early second draft capital, I'll feel reasonably comfortable taking him in the second round of my rookie drafts and super flex. Um, but I, I, I kind of have a feeling like people in your drafts are going to see that late first draft capital. Potentially, they're going to see you know, the potential there with his speed, even if like it's not, it's only 36 percentile speed score. He's still a very fast player. And I think you're going to, he's going to be a player that people are going to reach on kind of at the end of the first round. Uh, That's what I am projecting. If he gets that late first draft capital. Yeah. I think he's a bust. (laughs) (laughs) I think he'll have a good career, but I agree with you. I don't know if he'll ever be like a difference maker what i what i mean by bust yeah like i said i just don't think he's gonna be fantasy relevant and somebody's gonna see that first round draft pick tag and just swing for the fences and miss right right man it's early to be saying shit like that but i i think he's a bust mic check it is halftime. All right. So there is a handful of dynasty relevant free agents remaining out there in the ether. Um, so I want to talk about a wish cast landing spot for one of the remaining NFL free agents. And I'll go ahead and get us started. Will Fuller to the Packers, a familiar refrain. So the Packers tried to trade for him a few years back. And look, he's going to turn 28 in a few weeks and the man gets hurt, you know, without the aid of PEDs. So I wouldn't be banging the table for him, even if this happened. But I see Will Fuller as a truly better version of MVS. And I think that's good for Aaron Rodgers. It's good for the running backs. It's good for the Packers offense. And I think it'll be good for the receiver that the Packers draft in the first round. So I want to see Will Fuller sign with the Packers. Well, it's it's either the Packers or the Browns, right? Right, right. Yeah. Tarek, I like that. I actually, before I read yours, wrote down Jarvis Landry to the Packers. And I think what we need to say is wide receiver to the Packers. <laughs> yeah, they, they need him. That's Seriously. for sure. Mitch. What do you got? I got Melly. I got Melvin Gordon to the Saints. Uh, come on, Saints, make us Javante Williams fans happy. I think it'd be a great situation for all parties involved, though. Uh, even if Kamara doesn't get slapped with the with the uh, suspension, this should help Kamara to lose a few touches on the ground and make up for those lost touches by being effective in the passing game like he's used to. Last year, Kamara had a career high in touches on the ground and a career low on receptions in the air. I think the Saints can help him out by alleviating some of that and getting Gordon in there. Um, Gordon's going to lose touches to Javante Williams anyway if he returns to Denver. So I think that he can come do that sort of uh, job, if you will, in NOLA. So You know, and I like that you called out the Saints because they have proven more than capable of, you know, putting up two productive running backs at, you know, that, that offense. So, yeah, Gordon, absolutely. I think you take a step forward in that offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I like yeah. it. And I, 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 I like it for Kamara too. Like yeah. you kind of mentioned it here. Like you don't want to be giving Kamara 20, 25 touches a game. You want to give him 13 to 15 super highly efficient touches. Right. right. And so with Melvin Gordon too, you, you don't need that Mark Ingram like smash and no. then Kamara style. Like Melvin Gordon keeps the offense more on task with the similar running style. So if anything, he's just a diet Alvin Kamara. Have I been saying it wrong? Is it Kamara or Kamara? I always say Kamara. He is a diet Alvin Kamara and a better version of Latavius Murray. So I think it would fit really well. 
All right, Trey, what you got? Oh my God. Yeah. He's <laughs> comparing him to Latavius Murray. That just, that, that got me. Um, that was a direct hit. <laughs> All right, so my guy, my guy that I'm wish casting is Odell Beckham Jr. to stay in LA, but not with the Rams. I want him to go to the Chargers because the Rams basically already signed Allen Robinson and uh, they basically have said they're not, you know, going to give Odell Beckham Jr. that opportunity to come back by making that move. So enter the Chargers, right? This doesn't necessarily seem like the kind of thing that they would do. And you know, Odell Beckham's coming off injury. He's 29 years old. I don't think he's probably breaking the bank anywhere he goes, but this gives him, I would say, probably the best chance anywhere in the league to, again, showcase his talent, you know, at, at the one of the best offenses in the league, in the best division in the league, right? So I would say, you know, for his dynasty value, this is probably the best case scenario. And I think it gives a boost to Herbert and everybody else in that offense to have somebody of that caliber drawing coverage away from guys like Allen and Williams. So yeah, Odell Beckham to the Chargers, please. I actually got the the third LA team as my spot for OBJ. I think he's I think he's gonna just go to the Raiders and just make that division <laughs> even more dumb. <laughs> that AFC West. Yeah. I, I you know, I want Prince Odell to uh come to the Dallas Cowboys. That's that's my uh that's my wish cast. You guys you guys can't wish cast my guy I already claimed him. We Sorry. we just steamrolled at your wish cast. Nope, I like nope. it, Trey. I already spoken for. Sorry. <laughs> All right. All right, let's kick off this second half talk about four more receivers. And speaking of more receivers, Sky Moore. Did you guys like that I did. transition? I pretty really good, did. Huh? It's pretty bad. <laughs> Sky Moore, Western Michigan product. Got a really fascinating profile here. So he's 5'10", 195 pounds. So he's pretty solidly built for a receiver who profiles more as a, uh, a slot player. Really excellent freshman year while Dwayne Eskridge was injured with over 800 yards and three touchdowns. Then he takes a bit of a backseat in 2022 old man Dwayne Chin Eskridge while still improving his target share in that shortened season. But his junior year is massive, 1,283 yards and 10 touchdowns on the back of a 36% target share, good for a 39.5% dominator rating. Trey, so this is a small school guy who projects to get day two capital right now, but unlike his former teammate Eskridge, the NFL seemingly convinced him to declare early as a 21-year-old. So that's intriguing, right? Absolutely, man. I have more right here next to Jahan Dotson on my rank. So I've got more seven, Dotson eight. I think they're very neck and neck, but I'm giving the edge to more. Uh, you mentioned the strong freshman year production. Uh, he built on that and improved every year up to a 3.77 yards per team pass attempt as a junior. That was the second best mark in this class after Traylon Burks. So he hit a level of dominator and you know production consolidation that very few other people in this class were able to, to get to. And, and of course, I'm concerned about the level of competition playing at Western Michigan. I know that's not the SEC. It's not even you know nowhere close to the Big Ten. But I'm going to give him the slight edge over Dotson because I think if you look at every single year of their college careers, Moore was just a outproducing him in terms of the the dominator and the yards per team pass attempt. So um, I will, I'll lean that way, even though the level of competition wasn't the same. Tark is Sky Moore one of your first round guys. You think he's going to sneak in? No, I, I, so it's interesting because he's currently projected to go mid second round, according to those NFL mock draft. Yeah. Databases. I've got late second or early third. Yeah, I don't think that he has like the viewed upside by the NFL to sneak into that late first round, but I think he's solidly day two. Do you guys know who the last Western Michigan wide receiver taken in the first round is? Is it Corey Davis? It's Corey Davis, baby. It's a Corey Davis episode. <laughs> uh <laughs> Yeah, what, well, he was like top 10 picks, wasn't he? Was he? So that's fifth that's overall and embarrassing. Definitely not going to be Sky Moore. No, but I, I like what you said, Trey. I'm a, I'm a Sky Moore fan. I, I think that he's a dude that could 
get our attention if he lands in a in a good spot here. But late second, mid third is going to land him in that weird category. So I'm I'm rooting for this guy to be taken by a team that uses him correctly and. Uh, the favorable situation doesn't necessarily depend like I'm not I'm not wish casting a team per se, but he looks like a dude that is more of a like a slot weapon to me. So um, yeah, I'd like yeah. to see him like plugged in to that role and like extend that role. Yeah, and it's interesting you said slot weapon because right now player profiler has their main uh, player comp for him as Golden Tate. You know, that's mm-hmm. somebody who I watched every day of his uh, college career, you know, back at Notre Dame. And, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself there on my age, but uh, yeah, I, I do think more can uh, fill a similar type role uh, in the elite production numbers that he put up there in that offense, I think back that up. Yeah. That near 40% uh, dominator rating uh, you really, you know, you got to tip your hat to that. He's got good yak ability, good hands. Um, we're saying he's a slot weapon, uh, which I totally agree with, you know, solidly built slot weapon with that, you know, 510, 190 something frame. I think that's plenty big enough for the NFL game at the slot. But even as a slot player in college, he had an 11.4 yard a dot, which is pretty good, right? Pretty that's good. not a complete dink and dunk kind of guy so while he profiles as a slot guy at the next level i think he's proven that he can run the intermediate routes uh that you need to kind of succeed in the nfl yeah i like it man i mean yes the upside isn't there as somebody like drake london right because he doesn't have that same frame to you know uh body these smaller defensive backs but i don't really care too much about size and athleticism at the wide receiver position so um you know if the production is there then i think he can uh get you points in a ppr format and even then he's got plenty of size for a slot weapon and plenty of speed so I, I think i think even then like even if you do care about athleticism uh he's gonna be fine all right let's move on to our next guy here that is calvin austin 5'8", 170-pound receiver from Memphis. He does have 4'3 speed, but obviously very small. Four-year player for the Tigers. And that Memphis team, they really pump out some NFL players. Uh, Broke out as a junior, finished with over 1,000 yards and at least eight touchdowns in his final two years as a junior and senior. So, Mitch... This is a player that's got the speed to stretch the field. He's had some productive seasons in a good program at Memphis, but you know, there seems to be concern about his physicality at such a diminutive side. What did you see when you were prospecting him on tape? Yeah, he's a burner, but if you're shorter than me and when I stand up straight with great posture, I'm five, nine and way less than uh 170 pounds, man. I can't take you seriously as an NFL prospect. Mitch really, really likes to compare himself to these NFL athletes. Listen, would man. You say, would you say, Mitch, you are the tutu Atwell of this podcast? I was going to get there. Yes. I. But look, I you, you can't weigh less than me and play in the NFL, man. You can't do it. No, uh, I try to like this guy, but it's not going to translate to fantasy points. Like, I, I struggle to see how he's going to make any impact, like Tutu Atwell, for example. Even if he's taken in the second round, it's going to be really hard for me to ex- get excited about this guy because he's just... Look, if he gets drafted by the Packers or Chiefs, it's like maybe, but then again, Atwell got drafted by the Rams last year, and that was a... It's just... It's he's a workout warrior. He's a gadget Cornell guy. Powell yeah. by the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, no thanks. And I I want to yeah I <laughs> I want to say something positive. But Tutu Atwell had some really nice production last year uh, as a prospect. Like uh, what he was able to do at Louisville was actually you know a really nice analytical production profile. Calvin Austin does not have that right. So he's a senior year uh, four year player. Uh, he was 22 years old when he cleared 30% dominator. So he's a late breakout. And even then his yards per team pass attempt was never higher than 2.59. And we're talking about guys in this class that are like three, two and better. So uh, yes, he's got some good athletic testing, right? You mentioned the four, three speed. He, he also really excelled in his burst and agility, but 
I think he's going to get overdrafted because of that athleticism. And I just, I'm with those kind of production numbers and the late break, the late breakout at Memphis. I'm just concerned. He's not very good. Yeah. And we said this a little bit with Jahan Dotson, right? Because player profilers comp for Calvin Austin is actually Marquise Hollywood Brown. So that, which is a great comp. That's very aggressive, right? Um, if he turns out to be Hollywood Brown, that's a massive hit. Um, but, you know, what are we hoping for Calvin Austin on the high end, right? Maybe Hollywood Brown, maybe somebody more like Darnell Mooney. You know, I think it's very unlikely that he gets to that level of production uh, at at the NFL level. And, you know, it, it, I'm just done with these 170 pound, mm-hmm. like five eight, five seven guys, right? Like that was like the entire 2021 class, right? If you're going to be that size, you at least have to have Rondale Moore type production in college. Uh, and look how that worked out, right? You know, maybe jury's still out on Rondale Moore, but man, like five eight, 170 pound receiver, I'm I'm just out. Calvin you know? Calvin Austin is my wide receiver 16 in this class. All right, let's move on from Calvin Austin and go to Alec Pierce, who was Desmond Ritter's wide receiver one at Cincinnati. And he's been a riser this offseason. He's now seen as a pretty solid day two pick at receiver, seeing a lot of mocks put him in the third round. Excellent athlete at 6'3", 211 pounds, 95th percentile speed and burst coming out of the combine. But, you know, his production profile is a bit lacking. He doesn't really reach breakout thresholds in any single year, but his senior year was his best with 884 yards and eight touchdowns, um, helping the Cincinnati Bearcats get to that college football playoff berth. Trey, like I said, elite athlete who the NFL mock draft industrial complex seems to like. But what do you think about Alec Pierce? Yeah, it. I, I don't like him at all. Uh, I've got him right there with uh, Calvin Austin. He's my wide receiver 17 in this class. You mentioned the production profile. The fact that he didn't break out until his senior year at Cincinnati, that means a huge red flag, like not interested at all in that kind of uh, prospect. He didn't even hit the same yards per team pass attempt number that uh, Calvin Austin did. By my calculation, he came in at 2.28 for his senior year, which is just fine. And honestly, in uh, doing that at Cincinnati, it's really not very good at all. So yeah, I think the plus plus athleticism is going to get him overdrafted by the NFL. He will probably go in the third round to somebody like the Patriots. Everybody's going <laughs> to like get, you know, real, real horny for him. And I am not going to be one of them. So yeah, uh, count me out on Alec Pierce. Well, here's a few reasons to get horny then. Uh, no, no, I'm with you there. Uh, <laughs> the, the fake out, Mitch with the fake out. <laughs> he has potential of rising and like you mentioned, after the NFL draft, like his his profile and like size speed, it looks pretty good. It's deceptive. So uh, what turns me off the most with him, though, is the fucking drops. Like he's just, he's got the dropsies and like, with all the other issues going on, I, I don't see that translating to a consistent role in an NFL Austin, uh, NFL offense. I he'll he'll be like bottom of the depth chart for a while and probably live like a three year NFL career, man. I, I don't know. I am just not interested in this guy. I just don't see myself going for somebody like this in like the end of the second round. You know, he would I would need to. uh it would need to be like the end of the third for me to start thinking about somebody like this. But, but and don't get me wrong. Like if you're going to go for a dart throw wide receiver, like plus plus athleticism is probably a good place to start. But I, I don't know. I, I don't see him falling to that range because I think he's going to get overdrafted. So Trey, I'm with you there. I would still rather have him than the the five, eight, 170 dude. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, if you're, if it's that close, you might as well go with the guy that's, I, I don't know, a football player built like one. Yeah, I, I just think in the third round, like early third, like even if he falls to the mid third, the way that I am viewing my pre-draft rookie rankings, 
I think there's going to be a lot of running backs in that range that I'm going to be targeting, right? So I just don't see Alec Pierce ending up on any of my dynasty teams. And I'm honestly kind of hoping he gets late second, you know, draft capital so that it forces other managers (laughs) in my leagues to draft him mid second, right? Um, Because I'm just, I, I, I really want to be out, right? Yeah, to that point, I think there's a, a strategy conversation to be had around, you know, how you should allocate your late round picks like that, right? And, you know, we know that these dart throw running backs have a easier path to returning value than these dart throw wide receivers do, right? So it's totally reasonable to like go heavy on wide receivers earlier on in your rookie drafts and then lean, you know, cuff style running backs later. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. All right, so speaking of dart throw receivers, let's move on to the eighth and final guy we are going to discuss today, and that is Justin Ross, the Clemson Tiger. He looked like early in his college career, like he was going to be a 2021 receiver class jewel because in his freshman year, he compiled 1,000 yards and nine touchdowns, albeit only on a 14% target share playing with Trevor Lawrence and T Higgins, you know, then his efficiency regressed as a sophomore uh, when he led the team in targets, even over T Higgins. Then uh, he required spinal surgery in the 2020 off season. So he took his junior year off and then elected to return for his senior year after missing all of 2020. And his numbers took a big step back without Trevor Lawrence And then he just had a horrible combine kind of adding insult to injury, posting a 31st percentile speed score and a 8th percentile burst. So, Mitch, seeing Justin Ross star in that national championship game back in 2019 might have some people living in the past. uh, But how should we evaluate Ross ahead of our rookie drafts? It's difficult. This is difficult. Spinal surgery is usually like the biggest red flag when it comes to the NFL or neck injuries or anything like that. So you have to bake the injury into this. And he's at my wide receiver 14, but he does and (laughs) 14 out of these rookies. And uh, he does have like a lot of upside and potential. We've seen him be dominant and it's the ultimate lotto ticket in this situation, right? Like we talk about lotto tickets. It's not very often you can roll the dice on a player in the late rounds with this much upside, but uh, I don't know. He's polarizing in the community too. Uh, DLF has him as high as 10, others at 20, but I don't know. He's a, it's a great story and uh, I wish him the best, but I'm out. Yeah. I've got him right actually at 14 with you. So I'm, I'm in lockstep with you again here, Mitch. Uh, <laughs> The poor testing sucks, you know, because he's really got that alpha frame, the 6'4", 205 size that, you know, kind of makes you think he's got some really good upside, but the obviously without the athleticism that some of that comes into question. Um, That said, I do like the level of competition uh, at Clemson. I know that he was able to still produce and be efficient on the field, sharing uh, snaps with T Higgins, who we know is uh, good in the NFL, right? So um, his best season was 2018. So we're definitely living in the past with this guy, but I would think about him as a, as a dart throw as a lot of ticket, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm with you. This is definitely in that range where you're probably better served going with a cuff running back or even a tight end. Well, yeah, Trey, but we, we talk about strategy. Like, like you mentioned it, I would normally err toward a handcuff running back as well. But I think at this like when you're picking in your rookie draft this late, it starts to kind of be either either or, right? So, mm-hmm. like we've said, we've seen him perform um, against good competition, and there are there are reasons to see this guy uh, rise ahead of the. I guess his best case scenario is actually being a starting NFL wide receiver, as where some of these guys, like some of these gadget guys, we don't even see that as their best case scenario. So. Maybe we're a little too cold on him, but uh, we'll see what the NFL minds think about this guy. Yeah. Speaking of the NFL minds, I think this is the one guy that we've talked about today out of all eight of these guys that I think is pretty much a lock for day three. Right. Mm -hmm. I think 
all the other guys, Alec Pierce, Calvin Austin, Sky Moore, all of them have a reasonable shot to get into round two or round three. I think it's going to be a big surprise if Justin Ross sneaks into day two. So if he does, you know, I'll be I'll feel a little bit more comfortable um, taking a dart throw on him in the late third, early fourth of my rookie drafts. Um, but if, if he gets that day three capital with all the flags in his profile, even given the early production in college, uh, I'm pretty much going to be out. I think, I think late third is more of a possibility than you're suggesting. Okay. Uh, Just based on, on grinding the mocks right now, he's coming in at 75.9 in expected draft position, which is right there at the end of the third. Yeah. Well, that personally would surprise me given his production and his negative athleticism or minus athleticism numbers um but yeah i mean you're looking at grinding the mocks i'm looking at nfl mock draft database so you know we're skewed one way or the other but we'll just have to see like like i said if he gets into round three i'm gonna be a little bit more intrigued just because of what he did as a true freshman and you know maybe his athleticism improves as he gets further and further away from back surgery Uh, like mitch said very scary um All right, that is going to do it for today's episode, episode 50 of the Long Game Dynasty podcast. We talked about eight 2022 receivers next week. We got eight more, you know, maybe even throw in a a few sweeteners at the end, but we're getting into it. We'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. All right.